You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, would you do this? Turn in your Bibles to the book of Titus while I tell you a little bit about the message today. Titus chapter number two. Now, Titus is a very small book in the Bible. You'll go to First and Second Timothy. That covers a little more ground. And then the next book is Titus. So just get there comfortably. And I want you to uh, uh, know that we're entering into a new month, the month of May. We're leaving the month of April. And uh, we've been talking about, of course, in April we had Good Friday. We had Palm Sunday. We had Easter. And, and just a celebration of revival and the, the great rejoicing celebration that we have in Jesus Christ and his resurrection uh, over death, hell, and the grave. It was awesome. This month, we're transitioning our theme to pray for women in our church. And uh, just to acknowledge them, next week's Mother's Day. Amen. I said that in the first service. Everybody's like, it's Mother's Day next week? Guys, I just helped you out big time. Big time. Honey, you don't have to cook this week. Grilled cheese and tomato soup. It's going to be fantastic. And so, um, anyway, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get something good. But uh, we are excited about moms. And we want to honor women this month. And just uh, just kind of focus in our prayers uh, through our house of prayer and then also through maybe a couple of messages in this month of May on the important role that they play in all of our lives. So I want to take a few moments and begin this month with a message regarding women. And it's going to help everybody. Uh, I think it'll, it'll encourage all of us here in the building, everybody. Uh, the first 10 minutes of the message, it's not a long message, But the first 10 minutes of the message is going to, I think, focus on a truth that applies to everybody in the building. But ultimately, we're leading up to acknowledging the importance of the older women in our church. We're in the book of Titus. Paul wrote this little letter to a man named Titus. And he had left him on the island of Crete. And this little island was a work that Paul had done a lot of work in. In fact, if you'll read chapter 1, it's a a great little letter to read. If you read chapter 1... You'll see there were some real big issues going on in, in Crete. Uh, there were this false doctrine that was being taught, and there was other things that Paul needed to get done that he wasn't able to stay long enough to do. So here was his plan. Titus, I'm going to leave you in Crete. The purpose of me leaving you there is to finish the things that I left undone, some things I wanted to get done that I didn't get done. So I want you to do those things. And secondly, I want you to appoint some elders. We need good, strong leadership. So much false doctrine is being taught, and we need to make sure that, uh, that we get that right. So I want you to appoint elders in the church. Spiritual leadership. You'll find all of that really in one verse, Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. What we're going to do this morning is focus on Paul's words to Titus himself in verse number 1, and then we're going to focus on Paul's words very specifically to older women in verses number 3 and verses 4. So that's what we're going to do ultimately. But let's read the first 10 verses, and I want you to see how all of us are in this picture. First of all, he says in verse number 1, but as for you. Timothy says to Titus, Titus, I want to first acknowledge you. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Number 2, he says, older men, I want you to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, sound in love, in steadfastness, older women. Likewise, in other words, just like the older men, I, I need you to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, 
not slaves to much wine. Teach what is good. And train the young women to love their husbands, love their children, be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the Word of God may not be reviled. So much there about the young women I'd, I'd love to cover in a, in, a, in a future sermon here this month. Verse 6, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants, you're to be submissive to your masters and everything. That it be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that, and this is a lot like what he acknowledged in verse 1. Remember when he said, Titus, I want you to teach sound doctrine. He said, here's the purpose of it all, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So notice here in the first 10 verses that Paul singles out six different categories. It's, it's brilliant. First of all, he singles out the category of spiritual leaders in the church. He said, Titus, I want to first address you. He says, I want you to teach what accords to sound doctrine. You're handling the truth. And Titus, I need you to handle it right. You who are in leadership in our church. Scott Mercer, this would have been to you. Verse 1 would have been, but as for you, Scott Mercer, but as for you, maybe it would have been Kevin Connor, or but as for you, Jeff Manthe, those of you in leadership in the church, you're handling small groups, you're handling the Word of God, you're teaching the flock of God. I need you to make sure you understand how important it is for you to teach sound doctrine. Secondly, he acknowledges older men. And he says to these older men, I want you to live a certain way because you are being watched. And ultimately, that's how he addresses each individual category. You're being watched. You need to be this way because the world is watching you. In verse 3, he mentions older women. In verse number 4, young women. In verse 6, young men. In verse 9, bondservants. And we might consider those in our day to be employees. And all of these have a very specific, clear pattern that God is prescribing in all of this. And that is this the mentoring of the older to the younger. There's a very clear pattern here. This is so important for our church this morning, so important for our future, for the, for the next 30 years, whoever's leading this church. A clear pattern of the older mentoring the younger. And there's an important reason why the beliefs and the behaviors must be passed on. And notice I said, not just what we believe, but how we live it out. It's not just what we believe, it's do we actually live it out. That God's Word, here's the purpose of it all, would be effective. That God's Word would be relevant in the lives of its followers. Why? Because the world is watching. Reality TV and social media show us people are constantly watching one another's lives. Whether we like it or not, people are watching our lives, and we are watching theirs. So in these few verses, what Paul is going to do is he's going to give some relationship counsel on how we can showcase Christianity as men and women of God. And so this morning, those who have never once opened their Bibles, I mean, listen, we heard a testimony today of a young man, Ryan, Ryan, where are you at? 
Ryan, who we read his testimony, this was the first church he's ever attended. Ryan walks into gospel light. We're showcasing for the very first time real Christianity. He's seeing for the very first, hey, someone who had never opened a verse of Scripture in his life, never, never heard anything from God's Word. Because God has no hands but our hands to do His work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men to His way. He has no help but our help to lead men to His side. And He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men that Christ died. Because we are the only Bible this careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the scoffer's creed. We, we are the Lord's last message written in deed and in word. What if the line is crooked or what if the print is blurred? What if our hands are busy with other works than his? What if our feet are leading where sin's allurement is? What if our tongues are speaking of of things that Christ would spurn? How can we hope to aid him and hasten his return? Church, people are watching us. And Paul knew this. And Paul said to Titus on that little island of Crete, and I bring to you today on this little community of hot springs, Titus chapter 2 in verse number 7 says, show yourself. I want you to showcase yourself in all respects to be a model of good works in your teaching, in your integrity, and in your dignity. Because like it or not, our lives are almost always on display. Even when we don't realize it, people are observing us and forming their own opinions, and we are watching them and forming ours. The saying on television is this, The camera is always on. I like the way Eugene Peterson put it in his paraphrase. Since we started our church 30 years ago, we've kind of always had a a theme verse that we don't talk about it as much as we used to. Matthew chapter 5, 16, in that amazing Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, and I'll read it to you in the Message Bible here, this paraphrase, it says, In verse 13, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness, and you'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I put you there on a hilltop, uh, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. Be authentic. Be a real Christian. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Church, we are being watched more than we could ever realize. And I want you to see in the text three reasons why our lives are to bear fruit before a watching world. It's very clear here. Number one, so that the Word of God may not be reviled. It says that in verse number five. In other words, that that the Word of God may not be dishonored, that the Word of God would not be blasphemed, that the Word of God would not be despised. 
Number two, we are to, 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 to bear fruit to a watching world so that opponents may not have ammunition to use against us. This week I was talking to a friend who, who said, man, I got some, I got some sobering news. And I, and I said, what's that? And he said, you know, I just decided about 10 years ago to keep a list. I, I just was curious. I'd heard a few men falling into sin, and I thought, I wonder how, how many people I know. So he said, in 10 years, he said, so far, of pastors that I know that have pastored churches, growing churches, vibrant churches, but fell into sexual sin and are no longer in the pulpit, and churches are, have exploded with, with, with doubt and concern and all of that, he said, I'm on number 42 of pastors that I know who have fallen into sexual sin. Number three, and by the way, it could be me tomorrow. <laughs> I realize that. That's why this is so important. Thirdly, so that the doctrine of God our Savior would be attractive. And that's what Paul's teaching here in verse number 10 when he says, so that in everything that we adorn the doctrine of God our Savior, that in everything we would make Jesus Christ attractive. I love verse number one again where he talks about sound doctrine. And, and I, I was uh, just amazed at that word sound in the Greek is the word we would use, hygiene. And at first when I saw that, I thought, how, 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 would, how would that make sense? And what is God trying to teach us here? Well, sound doctrine is teaching that promotes spiritual health. That's what sound doctrine is. It requires conduct that is consistent with the teaching that's professed. In other words, a life based on the teaching of sound doctrine is wholesome. A life based on the teaching of sound doctrine is clean. A life based on the teaching of sound doctrine is healthy because correct doctrine produces correct behavior. What you believe does influence how you behave. The character of our church is being watched. It is by outsiders. And let me shock you, it's being watched by insiders. And we have a, a larger church for this area, but isn't it amazing how small sometimes it can be as we all watch each other? Our lives are on display. We post things on social media. We live our lives out in public, and we drive a certain way. We wear certain clothing. We, I mean, that all speaks of, of our character, the character of our church, the character of ourselves. And people are watching us. I believe our children are watching us. Our teenagers are watching us. Do we really believe what we say? Are we really living a consistent Christian life as our children watch us? We're being watched. We're being watched by older believers. They're wondering if the coming generation is going to stay faithful to sound doctrine like they have. We're being watched by believers who need reassurance that the path they are following is, is right. And we are being watched by the lost to question Christianity. And so Titus, Paul says in Titus 2, show yourself. Show yourself. Be a model of good works. What Paul is saying is be a sermon. Don't just preach one. Be one. Be an audio-visual sermon. Paul is saying this. I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk the walk than merely show the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers 
are the ones who live their creed for to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Let's focus this morning on the role of older women and their example to follow. I'm convinced this month as we enter into the month of May that Gospelite has very possibly missed something that is so valuable to the church, and that is the wisdom of the older generation. You know, a few years ago, we, we did a wonderful thing. We transitioned our church in many ways to become a church that is it, it doesn't, you know, it's called different things. It doesn't really matter what it's called. Some, some would say more progressive. I, I usually like, like to use the word a little more relevant to, to the times, you know. I mean, sort of what we do with our cell phones, we kind of did with our church. Amen. Most of us don't have flip phones, and so we decided, you know, lighting is different now, and let's make those adjustments. Those weren't big things to me. Those weren't doctrinal issues to me. Those weren't I understood that if I want to reach the next, listen, I've preached all over the country. I've walked into churches where everybody in the church is 60 and older, and there's no young people, and that church is dead in just a few years. So we did transition some things, but I wonder if in the transition, we lost the value and the importance of the older generation and the wisdom that they have. And so this morning, I bring to you and your attention to Scripture that speaks about the value and the importance and the role of older women in society. We are called old men, but women are called mature women. You like that? Yeah, Zacharias knew this as his wife was pregnant with John the Baptist and And it was just a miracle. And so, Zacharias learned something. He said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is advanced in years. Smart guy, wouldn't you say? Really smart guy. And Paul wisely, wisely does not specify the age of a woman that would qualify her as older. However, childbearing years and in and around 40, and child-rearing years end in and around 60. So we can surmise that very possibly, it seems reasonable at least, to think that around 60 years of age would be someone who would be considered an older woman. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9, it's interesting that Paul is describing the dire need for widows who are needing help. And Scott mentioned widows in Ukraine He says, let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age. Really, the only passage of Scripture we have is that one that indicates that very possibly in and around 60 years of age would possibly be someone who would be considered older. So we can safely interpret that that the older women of any age should teach the younger women who are younger than themselves. In other words, whatever age you are, if you're older than somebody else, you can teach them something. But we're focusing this morning on older women. Agatha Christie, a book writer, once told people why she married an archaeologist. I married him because the older I get, the more he'll appreciate me. (laughs) You know, they say there's only three stages of life. Youth, adulthood, and my, you're looking well. I think I'm in that stage. 
But here's my thoughts about age. You might be wondering while I'm preaching, while I'm preaching a sermon about older women, and in, in, in June I'll preach a sermon about older men in honor of Father's Day. Well, here is why I'm preaching it. I'm 57. That's my age. You know what I feel about that? It's great. It's fantastic. Everybody else doesn't mind that I'm 57. The only person that cares about your age is you. Nobody else cares. You're the only one that does. So, ladies, let it be. Listen, as you get older, you don't have to revert back to mini skirts and skinny jeans. You have to get a tattoo on your neck. It's okay. I get it. At younger, we do crazy things. But as we get older, sometimes I think we just need to say, you know what? This is great. Man, I've got something to offer the church, my family, that, that no one else has. Age is a wonderful thing. Just let it be. Be yourself. Because the most godly kind of lifestyle comes out of authentic people who love Christ. That's the beauty beyond description. And, you know, I believe godly, wiser, older saints are a treasure to the body of Christ, and I'm beginning to understand that as I get older in the body of Christ. I want to introduce you to two older ladies in our church. And I asked these ladies this week to meet with me, and I was asking, trying to get a larger group of ladies, but some were out of town, and I didn't want to get too large a group because I'm only going to take six or seven minutes this morning and then, and then finish the sermon in about ten but I want to ask Paula Connor and Carol Ann Capace to come forward. Carol Ann is 57. Paula is 56. And, and they are in and around the age that we've been describing here today. I want them to take just a moment as we transition this message and as we understand the value of, of what is important about this message and, and, and why would, you know, sometimes when I approach a text, I am tempted to not preach something because Will it be exciting enough? Will it be relevant enough? You know what? I think we need to accept the fact that all Scripture is important. All Scripture is needed. We need to teach everything in the Bible. And, and we meet Sunday mornings, and this is a wonderful time to do it. And prayerfully, we can walk out of here understanding that this message was for all of us because the world is watching all of us. But specifically, older women, I want to ask both of them a question, and they'll answer it in, in short form. Tell us, Paula, tell us, Carol Ann, about a mentor that you had growing up as a young lady. We'll start with Paula. My number one mentor is my little Japanese mother. Uh, she, wasn't, she did not become a Christian until she was 32 after she had moved over here from Japan. She was a Shinto Buddhist. And uh, she immersed herself in Scripture. She was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she, oh, she just pours out love. And um, she had no background in child training, because her mother had died at 17 months old. So she basically turned us over to the church. And um, so most of my training has been formal training and not um, discipleship or mentoring. But um, at the age of 20, I married my husband, and I was gifted a wonderful mother-in-law who also loved Jesus. And she really taught me the significance of prayer. And those two women have been my main mentors in my life, and I'm very, very, very thankful for them. Awesome. Thank you. That's beautiful. Carol Ann? Um, I also, my mentor has been my little Japanese mom right there. <laughs> and it's, you didn't know that she was Japanese, right? Yeah, she's half. Um, <laughs> and so, but my mother, and it's so beautiful because that, that happened, but my mom has taught me 
so much. And she didn't know, I didn't know she was teaching me, mentoring me, but she actually did. And I know some people, I'm very fortunate, Paul, you're fortunate to have a mom that could um, mentor, but maybe you don't have a mother that's living or around you, you know? That's why the older women of the church can be um, a mentor for you. So, right? But I'm thankful for you, Mom. And then tell us, Paula, why, why you feel it is important. Obviously, Scripture. But tell us just from your heart why you see the importance of the older mentoring the younger, specifically older women mentoring the younger women. I would have to say... Um, in my life, it's been a struggle. I, I wasn't really opened up to grace until I was 40 years old. And um, not that I wasn't a Christian, but there was so much I did not know. And I just <clears throat> was given, it, given teaching through, like I said, formal teaching or ladies' meetings or just little interactions here and there, but not the day-by-day -day walk with me, um, live with me, walk through the middle of this mess. But I had to learn that it didn't matter if I was qualified, per se, as, as long as I qualified with Titus II, if I was willing to just be weak. And I was willing to say to the Lord, in this weakness, you are my strength. And I will teach whoever is around me who's willing to listen, not my peers. I wanted to uh, teach the younger women. The peers make you comfortable. They tell you what you want to hear. Mm. They agree with what you say but they don't sharpen you and they don't rebuke you in love and they don't teach you and save you from having to make the same mistakes that they made. And so many women don't believe they have much to give, but they have so Amen. much to give the younger generation. And um, I just really, really, really want the women here that love God to pour into other women. You are qualified through scripture and through his power and our, the connor family you've you've seen us we're we're a mess we're a beautiful wonderful mess but we love jesus and we keep trusting him and we keep following him and um, he's been very gracious to us amen beautiful and um, for me same thing paula uh, a lot of formal teaching i but i had my mother that i didn't realize was showing me so much but God convicted me about, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, because what my husband said about 42 pastors falling, sexual sins, it's because the men were talking to the women, teaching the women. And I'm like, whoa, I don't want that to happen to my husband. So I said, listen, honey, you send him to me, and I'll teach him. <laughs> That's right. You know, seriously. And I mean, I thought yeah, that, but then there's true. a role that the Bible says, the older women, you better teach. And I was getting older, so I'm, I'm, I'm older, okay? So... What, about, what I teach him, and like he said, living, the, asking God to help me live, let Christ be living in my life and show that they can see that. And so probably for the last 10 years, I've been praying for God to continue to help me to do that, but then for me to teach my daughter first, you know, that have that here, um, and then other young ladies. And um, sometimes, like you said, I think sometimes we would tend to go to the, our own age group or Facebook, what they say. That's not really where you should go. So I ask you to pray about it, younger women. Pray about who you should go to in the church that you see. And older women, you pray for someone to come to you that's younger that will, you could bless. Help them with their childbearing. I just talked to a woman this morning. I'm overwhelmed. I have two children that are babies. I work. I don't know. Let's pray. Let's talk about this. 
But you know what I'm saying? So older women, let's pray that God would lead us to people. And younger women, pray that God would lead you to someone that would help you if you don't have a mother or someone that's a mentor for you. Beautiful. Thank you, ladies. You could take that with you, honey, and walk down together. While they're going down, um, I mean, we, I, I'm not going to ask you to give them a hand, round of applause. They did a great job, but I think it'd be more, better for me just to say this. The part of the purpose I wanted them to come was this. I really believe the first step or the next phase to discipleship is this. We've talked a lot about discipleship. Scott, Jordan, staff, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe the next phase is the older women getting together and discipling one another so that you can prepare yourself because there's things we need to be taught. We're going to talk about older men soon. And then the older women, as they're discipled, can then begin to, dis- to disciple and mentor younger women. This is a ministry we'd like to start, but it begins with, I think, the older women. And so I'm going to encourage you right now, older women of the church, if you're 50, 50, 55, 60 or older, would you pray with me? You have a desire to live a godly life. You have a desire to do some of these things I'm going to mention in a moment. I believe God could start a revival with the ladies of our church if all of them would follow this pattern of mentoring in Scripture. Let me read you this. This is from Chuck Swindoll. He's kind of a mentor of mine through his devotion every morning. How many older women in the church feel that their lives are spent, that their purposes are over and done with, that they have nothing more to contribute? Quite the opposite. These women are carrying with them more wisdom than they ever had in their lives. There is a need for them to harness that power and channel that wisdom into younger minds, minds that are often at the mercy of social media, cheap novels, and the foolish counsel of the world. The ministry of older women needs support from the church so that their messages about life can win the hearing of the younger generation. When I read that, I thought, I need to read that to our church family. And so as we transition from that wonderful testimony of these two older ladies in our church. Let's conclude the message with what can we do to showcase Christianity? Four traits older women are to be in the text. Number one, if you'll notice in verse number three, the older women likewise, he's just talking now about the older men, but he says likewise the older women, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Now I want to confess to you, growing up a Catholic, We thought that holiness was associated with the nuns and the priest. We really did. We thought, well, there's no chance we could ever understand what it means to be holy. I mean, they're the ones that are more like Christ and more like Jesus and more like God. We we had no real understanding growing up of what holiness was. But the point here in Paul saying to have a behavior as becoming holiness is they're appointing others to the things of God. Are you hearing me? That's what they're doing. They are representing Jesus Christ. They are modeling his message. By their conduct, they are demonstrating that they belong to God. She exhibits Christ's likeness to everyone, but especially, and most importantly, she does it to the younger. Let me ask you a question, older women. Do others identify your life with holiness and reverence? Or do they identify it with something else? And so, older women, as we begin to ask ourselves these questions, may we desire to become more holy. Listen to what Scripture says about a woman named Anna. I think this gives us more insight into it than anything else. Anna was a prophet. She was there in the temple 
she was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. <laughs> Doesn't hold back, does it there? Her husband died when they had only been married about seven years. Then she lived as a widow until the age of 84. She never left the temple. She stayed there day and night, worshiping God, fasting, praying. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Look at this passage. You don't find this older woman sitting in a rocking chair on her porch. You find this lady in the temple actively serving God. This is, I think, what holiness looks like. Next. Secondly, older women are, be, are to hold their tongue. It's oftentimes interesting when God makes a list, the things that he emphasizes. Here's a list. Older women to be holy. Older women are to hold their tongue. Look at it. It says they are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers. Maybe your translation says, as, as one of mine did, malicious gossips. You know what? I am so weary of gossip in church. I'm so weary of the, of, the, of the jokes we tell about gossip. It's almost as if we just sort of live with it. We just sort of feel like it's okay. You know, gossip's just a part of the church culture like it is every other culture. Can I tell you, gossip is damaging to the body of Christ. Very damaging. And Scripture says here clearly that, that you who are gossiping, you don't realize the damage you are doing. And Paul was instructing Titus to teach the older women to control their tongue, to be the opposite of a malicious gossip. Learn the power of confidentiality. If we're going to mentor the younger generation, people who know you can't keep confidence will learn not to talk to you confidentially. They've got to know that. And gossip's the opposite of that. Thirdly, Older women are to be honorable. It mentions here in this list that they're not to be given to much wine or slaves to much wine. They're to maintain their senses. They're not to be given to excess in anything. And it's important, I think, that we understand. It's interesting that he says not to become slaves to wine because wine back then was of a such lower alcohol content than wine and strong drink is now. Such a low, in fact, I'm going I'm to say this. It's an extreme statement. It's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, what they would, have, they, they would have had to drink a whole lot of wine back then to experience any kind of intoxication. So they say, don't, don't be given a much wine. Can I tell you today, I think maybe we need to drink a little more water, juice, and milk. You won't get drunk for sure if you drink a lot of that. Just be careful. I think what Scripture's teaching us here is just... Don't damage your testimony. Be so careful not to damage your testimony. And then he says older women are to be helpful teachers. Notice he says, likewise, be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. What we do speaks louder than even our words speak. Have you ever heard someone say that your, your walk talks... And your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. It's true. 
Your, your life is the greatest testimony you have. Your, your, your life, the way that you live, teaching requires the shaping of character in thoughts by example and interaction. It's not just what we say, it's what we do. It's our example. You know, this morning as I close, I would like to say this. It is virtually impossible for me to overstate the value of a godly older woman. It's it's, it's virtually impossible. The asset to a godly older woman in the body of Christ is, is off the charts. Ladies, are you being mentored by one? Do you have someone, someone you can call, someone you can talk to, someone you can have coffee with just from time to time and just share what you're going through, some of the heartache, some of the difficulties? Like Caroline expressed just a moment ago, just this morning, man, I, I'm just at my wit's end in this area. Talk to somebody who's been there. I want to give you two closing thoughts to ponder. Number one, as we think about older godly women in the church, think of this, age mixed with maturity provides credibility that cannot be ignored. Age mixed with maturity provides credibility. You know what, ladies? As you get older, you don't need a resume. We don't need to see all your credentials. You don't need to brag. Age mixed with maturity provides credibility. Your life sitting in church as a faithful older lady It's a huge testimony to the fact that you have persevered, that that you have been steadfast, that, that no doubt you've been through so many things, but here you are. That's why we can look at an 86 year old on the front row between her granddaughter and, well, I'm not sure, Millie. All right, we'll just say Zoe's girlfriend for now. Who knows what the future holds? But I will say this, girls, you've chosen somebody good to sit with. See, age is a beautiful thing. Embrace it. Number two, modeling and mentoring. Cultivate an integrity that won't be forgotten. Think about these testimonies. Here you have two sweet ladies sharing about their elderly mothers remembering all of these things that they learned. It it won't be forgotten. Tony, do you know what I was thinking of? Cliff Kaufman. I spent at minimum 250 four-hour drives with Cliff Kaufman, guaranteed. I mean, we we, we used to go every week. I'd get in his car, I'd meet him at his house. Many of you don't know Cliff, some of you do. It's part of our anniversary celebration, which, by the way, begins next week. Don't miss. Next week starts the anniversary celebration at Gospel Light. I used to get in the car with Cliff, and I, I was still traveling with him when he was about 80 years old. We'd get in the car, and I'd ask him question after question after question after question. I'd watch Cliff sell and deal with people, and I was always amazed at his integrity, his honesty. I was always blown away by the fact that he would tell people things like this. You got a lifetime warranty, but don't worry about it. Just call me. I'll be your lifetime warranty. It's a pain to mess with manufacturers. Just talk to me. I'll answer every time. I'd get back in the car and I'd say, Cliff, I don't understand. How can you do that? You've got so many jobs out there. How can your little company handle all of those phone calls if something's gone wrong? He said, Eric, more importantly, do you know how many references I get? Because people know I'm a man of my word. 
I don't need people phone calling for leads. They just talk about the good work. And I built my business on referrals. I'll never forget that. I thought that's what I need to be as a pastor. Someone who, who can, who, we, we can build our church just on folks talking about gospel light. Sharing the good news of what God is doing in our, in our midst. I love that. Older, modeling and mentoring, cultivated integrity that won't be forgotten. And so I encourage older women, you are being watched. Younger women, as you watch the older women, honor them. This could be a life-changing sermon for us. It really could be. And what I'd like to do as we transition this message into our, our response time and our worship team sings. And could I encourage, and I did this in the first service, I just want to encourage Paula and, and Carol Ann and maybe Miss Yoshida is closer to the front here. And I'm just kind of looking around, maybe... You could come to Miss Parrish and just kind of be around and up front as an older lady in our church. And maybe Ruth, if you can sliver up front here and Claudia. And I'm just thinking maybe ladies could pray together. Just, just pray together. And if you're a younger lady, like it kind of happened organically this morning. Just all of a sudden as the older ladies finished praying and stood up, the younger ladies just came and just kind of took one. I just saw them one by one just just. Would you pray with me? It was beautiful. I, I'm not saying we have to repeat that. Not at all. If it doesn't happen, it's fine. I'm just letting you know that maybe that's what God would like for us to do as a response. Is just older ladies, over 50, let's say, over 55, if you feel led to just come and pray around the altar, join Caroline and Paula. And, and then younger ladies, when they finish, if you would just like to come and pray with them, if not, that's fine. Don't feel like, well, I don't want to bother. And it's kind of strange. We're family. It's okay. This is how you start changing. You, you allow the Holy Spirit to just lead. We're not manufacturing anything. We're just asking God to work and move. And I think he does it through prayer more than anything else. If you've never been saved, you'd like to be saved. If one of these testimonies just blew you away, and, and you're like, man, that's what I need. I want that. Maybe you've already done it in this service as you were sitting here listening to the music or to the message. If you'd like to come forward, I'll be up here. And, and we'd love to just hear the good news of what Jesus Christ is doing or has done in saving you. And if you need, have more questions, we're going to stick around. We always do for 10 or 15 minutes after the service. Just catch us and say, could I talk? Could you talk? And we'll say yes every time. Shall we pray together? Father, I love you. I thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to preach your word. God, I'm amazed at, Lord, after 30 years of, of being here in this place, you're still teaching me. Lord, I feel like in many ways that this message is an, just a, a convicting message for me as a pastor. Understanding that, Lord, maybe we have overlooked something that could change our church. God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to see the, the value of this message for our, for our young people, for the next generation. And God, do a work in the midst of our church this morning as we sing and as we respond and as we pray, oh God. Would you please have your way? Have your way, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together for worship and for prayer?